0: Hello fellow nerds to the first Nerds of Oz podcast for 2020. Uh, Today I'm going to round up 2019 just with some of my favourite bits and pieces. We are of course as usual coming live to you from the Fortress of Nerditude, hidden somewhere in a forbidden swamp in Australia. Um, Unfortunately the Fortress is empty for me today, it's Justin, um, Shane and Josh are off hard at work uh now just this episode was going to be a different episode it was going to come out a few weeks ago uh basically all of us nerds work in retail environments and all of us got absolutely slaughtered at christmas so it became difficult for us to record what should have been our christmas episode um you know life is busy occasionally scheduling is tight but don't worry you have me for a few minutes and i'll be giving you a quick roundup on the best comic stuff that i got this year and I'll, i'll prep you a little bit for what we're doing uh this year. Now, but before we go any further, I would like to thank my trusty co-hosts, co can't say the word, Shane and uh, Josh. Um, this podcast wouldn't exist without Shane and it has been him, his encouragement that made it what it is today. I also have to thank Josh for his continued support and for stepping up when Shane had to go AFK for a couple of episodes. Um, both of these guys are outstanding human beings and a really great fun to podcast with. Um, I think I've mentioned it before, but before we record, we have lunch from um from a place called Sammy's, which is Lebanese food, and it's amazing. And we watch YouTube videos for about an hour and we just chat and laugh and it's quite possibly my favorite hour of my entire week every time we do a podcast episode. Um I'd also like to thank our ringins, um, Nicole, who replaced Shane for an episode and also helped with our um our Christmas present for nerds episode. Um, and also Dylan, Zach, and Lauren, who were kind enough to come along and talk about their experiences at PAX and other nerdy stuff. It's always great to find out that even though one is a boring old fart like me, that you have solid support from good friends who may be doubtful about their contributions to the podcast, but instead make fascinating insights and are real fun to work with. Uh, of course, I also have to thank you, dear listener, for sticking around. Um, This show sort of lost its way a little bit mid-year, but I think we've settled on a great new format for season two, uh, which will be on the 17th of January 2020. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Now, I'd just like to have a quick chat about the things that I found were the best nerdy stuff of the year. Um, Let's look at movies first. Um, 2019 had so many movies come out with a comic superhero slant with their subject matter. Um... I was initially wowed by Endgame, but felt it didn't hold up to repeat viewings. Uh, even though the the bit with Cap getting Molnir still uh, still m- makes me tear up a little bit. Um, Captain Marvel was average at best. X Men Dark Phoenix was problematic, but a, a, a decent finish to the non Disney X Men sub universe, which no doubt will will kick back off again soon. Uh, Joker, which we're going to talk about in our first ep- our first episode next week as um, interesting alternative-based uh, movie, um, as was Brightburn, if you want to count that as a sort of a, an alternate take. Superman, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home was charming but fairly ineffectual, and DC's animated flicks did their jobs with direct aim at um, comic fans. Uh, for me, the best superhero film of the year, without doubt, was Shazam. Um, I've always liked the character of, of this Captain Marvel, I found Shazam to be an easy watch with a charming cast and a great introduction to Captain Marvel, Shazam, Captain Marvel, you want to call him, um, that wasn't weighed down by 21 other movies. Um, It still sat in what they made as the DCEU, but it wasn't controlled by it like the Marvel movies were. Uh, Every cast member played their roles to the letter. I, for one, absolutely loved it. Uh, now with statues and toys, I bought four statues this year. Um, all DC ones. Uh, Marvel ones don't seem to come out as frequent. And honest, the next two Marvel ones that I'm looking at are a, a quarter scale one, so they're a little bit more expensive than the DC ones. There is a. I have a really nice 1990s animated X Men TV show Jean Grey. There was a beautiful Psylocke and an amazing Emma Frost that came out in 2019. And I th- I'm pretty sure that I need those in my collection. It- it's not, a, it- it's not a, a want, it's a need. For me to continue to exist, I need to have those three psychic girls somewhere on my shelf. I've got three DC girls. It only stands to reason that I should get three Marvel girls. Um, but the four statues I bought this year, I got two of Joelle Jones's cover girl ones with Mera and Black Canary and two Bombshell ones, one of Big Barter and Mary Marvel. Um, oh, I actually, no, she's called Mary Shazam now. Anyway... Uh, I really love the Joelle Jones ones. Um, the mirror one was spectacular. A beautiful base that has like a big sort of a water sort of a thing happening. The black canary one, it's not the most dynamic of poses and it suffers from something that a lot of the DC uh, statues tend to suffer, suffer with if they've got two pinned feet. And that was is that I actually broke her leg to get her to fit into the base. Um, thankfully it was just a join so it was easily repaired but still if i'm spending $200 on a statue i shouldn't have to break it to get it to work uh bombshell ones were amazing uh they're slowing down a lot than what they were maybe 10 years ago 10 years ago yeah might have been that um the barter one's totally my jam um she's a skater i like to skate um, Big Bart has always been a favourite character of mine. She's like the I love She Hulk in Marvel, and Big Bart is probably the closest thing DC have to a She hulky style character. M- maybe her and Power Girl, um, but the, they've really emulated a lot of the uh, of Jack Kirby's designs in her roller skating outfit, which is fantastic. But I have to say that the winner would be the Mary Shazam one. Um, she's depicted as a marching girl. Uh, she's holding a baton that. Has lightning coming from it, so it's like more or less a a lightning rod than an actual baton. She's got like the high fur hat and all the rest of it. Exquisitely beautiful statue and an absolute pleasure to own. Um, Now, finally, with comics, I've bought a lot of comics over the last year, but I'm only going to reference the ones that I continue to buy. um, And I'll also mention a few that I started to read but dropped off because of whatever reason. Uh, Red Sonja and Vampirella Meet Betty and Veronica was a fun title at first. Uh, Its popularity of all of the characters proved to be its downfall. Uh, It was fun and funny, and I really love Maria Laura Sinapo's art in it. The writing's pretty funny, but it's a one-trick pony, and once you get over that trick... Doesn't work anymore. Um, Of course, because it comes from Dynamite. I think it also has like a billion different covers every month. So like if if you if you have a comic uh, storage program on your iPad or your computer or whatever, I use CLZ Comics. It's funny. Like there's only seven issues, but there's about fifty entries because of how many different versions of every cover there are. Uh, I stopped reading that after the first story arc. I just couldn't maintain it. Now, Marvel are interesting at the moment because they're throwing every single female character they get can against the wall to try and get someone to pose a threat to the popularity of either Wonder Woman or Harley Quinn. I, I don't know why Marvel can't seem to do this. They need to stop pushing Captain Marvel as being their Wonder Woman. She's clearly not resonating with people. Um, I think DC is smart because Wonder Woman's like the powerful girl power character whereas Harley's the the nutty, a little bit tarty, you know, complete opposite sort of thing. So they've got two that are are vying to be the best character over there. For me, it's still Black Canary, but that's another story. Um, anyway, they, they did a lot of... Uh, started a fair few female characters this year. Um, Invisible Woman is obviously the forerunner to be Marvel's First Lady. She's an amazing character... Uh, she's the cornerstone of the entire universe. She's certainly the cornerstone of uh, of the Fantastic Four, and she's easily one of the most powerful characters in the uh, in the Marvel universe. It's funny; I, I'm sort of reminded of her, like Superman. Is if Superman decided to go full balls out, nothing would stop him, and Sue Storm's the same. Sorry, Sue, Susan Richards is exactly the same. She just has to put. Little, those little invisible bubbles into people's bloodstream and give embolisms left, right and centre and she'd do it. Um, this was a really interesting comic because it was kind of like a spy comic. It, was, it filled in some interesting holes in her career and, uh, yeah, it, it was definitely a fun read. Uh, the Amazing Mary Jane is a weird choice and it's charming as it tells the story of Mary Jane getting a movie role. Um, now, I'm going to give a massive spoiler for the first issue here. So, if you need to press the 15 seconds forward or whatever, you can. Um, the interesting twist about this is that she finds out the director of the film is Mysterio trying to go straight. Uh, so, this was no doubt chosen hot off the heels of Spider Man Far From Home because, you know, the popularity of MJ has always been there and, you know, Spider-Man's continuing one continually one of Marvel's popular characters so why wouldn't you do her as a, a character that have a solo comic um it's a, it's a fun comic and the she's deliberately not asking for help from from Peter Parker from Spider-Man to to come and help because she's actually trying to help Mysterio with his um his legitimate career and and also his hiring bad guys um to, to work on the film. So it, it means that he's sort of trying to reform bad guys. It's almost like Thunderbolts in a little way, but they're working at a movie studio. It's it's fun. There's obviously some something going wrong at the movie studio and uh it's a good read. It's a good read. Um Web of Black Widow is exactly what you'd expect from a Black Widow comic. Um and it's just fine. It's doing what it does best. Uh no doubt it's being pushed for the big budget relaunch of them Marvel Universe, which is, um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, (coughs) which is, uh, in just a couple of months, um, it's fine, it's a spy comic, it's a Black Widow comic, it does what you'd expect it to say on the box, and, and, you know, it's funny, whenever I read a Black Widow comic, you could just, you could take any, uh, female run spy film and i reckon skin it with black widow like like get like the deep fakes guys to reskin it with black widow you could get salt and make it a black widow movie you could get any of the girl with the dragon tattoo films and and make it a black widow movie you could get um uh red sparrow red sparrow was almost exactly a black widow movie um yeah it it's it's fine i i, I stopped reading it it's fine uh, next one was Black Cat. Black Cat is uh, Marvel's attempt at a Catwoman comic with the hero being a thief with a solid heart. It's Again, it's fine. It's another Marvel comic that's just fine. The stories are entertaining enough to keep me interested. Um, weirdly, Dracula and Blastar have turned up in some of the comics, so it's like a, a real surprise of a comic. Uh, again, it's fine. It's it's drawn good enough. The art, The story is fine. It's just not... It hasn't hit that goal that I really need. Uh, now, uh, the next one from Marvel is the Jane Foster Valkyrie comic. Now, th- this is really the dark horse of the set, and it's amazing. Um, Foster's no longer the the God of Thunder. Um, she's been stowed the gift of being the last Valkyrie. Um, the comic's full of surprise guest stars. Um, it's drawn beautifully. The story's really good. Um... If you haven't bought individual issues of this, you should go back and buy the trade whenever it comes out. It's, it's exquisite. Uh, it's really an exquisite, uh, exquisitely drawn comic. Now, from DC, uh, Lois Lane uh, was the one real standout for me. Uh, it's a really interesting story that shows the various aspects of Lois, from journalist to mother to wife, to protector of the DC universe's biggest secret and Superman's identity. You know, like, that's a lot of pressure for a woman. Um, now using the paparazzi getting a pic of her kissing Superman whilst being married to Clark Kent is a great way to separate them um, and it makes for a very all the president's men styled comic of intrigue. It's a good comic. It's drawn nice. It's got a lot of emotion. It's got a lot of guest stars. It's, uh, it's, it's great. I really can't talk about it how good this comic is. Are. Considering that it's, it's not superhero-y, it's just telling a story, it kind of reminds me of like Titan Comics have their, um, their true crime comics, or what are they called? Um, hard case crime comics. It kind of reminds me of that, but set in the DC Universe, which is pretty cool. Um, now, DC are also doing a new thing called Black Label. It's kind of like their old Vertigo comics but it's well and truly entrenched in the DC universe. Or, or, or it's taking the characters, like the, like the Joker movie that I mentioned earlier, or the, like the movie Joker that I mentioned earlier, uh, it's taking the concepts of what's going on in the DC universe, of characters in the DC universe, and mixing them up a little bit. Uh, the first one that I really like is, from, is called Harleen. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to horribly bris- pronou- mispronounce this gentleman's name. Uh, Stepan Stenick, he retells Harley's origin... Which probably doesn't need to really be retold, but the art is exquisite um he has He does an amazing comic for image comics, which is a romance comic that has its cornerstone of the relationship relationship between the two leads in a bondage and discipline submissive dominatrix sort of a relationship and it works it's like a it's like a sixties romance comic with a, just a little touch of kinky sex in it but seriously just just go to Google and type in um Harleen and have a look at how amazing the art in this comic world. Uh, Now, next one is another Harley one. It's called Joker Harley Criminal Sanity. Now, this tells of a different world where Harley is a psychologist working with the police on the case of a Joker serial killer. Um, It's beautifully drawn. It has two separate drawing styles. So the current day is done in sort of a black and white realistic style and stuff that's told from the past is done in colour. Two completely different artists do it. It's exquisitely drawn. It's like reading an episode of CSI. Uh, Unfortunately, the second issue was delayed. I only just got it. I got the first issue of that a while ago, um, several months ago, and I've only just literally got the second. I just read the second issue this morning, and it's blowing my socks off. I, um, I really, really love it. Uh, black House have also done a Wonder Woman comic which seems to be one where Wonder Woman's in the future and the earth is sort of destroyed I haven't read it yet so I can't comment on it it's only just come out it's not one of my best of the year just because I didn't get it until the other day until a day or two ago now another thing that this black label are doing is that they've taken Joe Hill who is Stephen King's son uh, and another horror writer like King is and they've gotten him to do a series of horror comics uh, Dollhouse Family is a real quirky horror comic about a girl who's got a miserable life who retreats into a dollhouse which she sees as a substitute family. But they might actually be prisoners of a thing that lives in the dollhouse. The things that live in this dollhouse actually do live in this dollhouse. Uh, it's, it's good. Um, it, it's, a nice, it's a nice horror comic. It's well drawn. It's a good story. Uh, this is one that I'm not hundred percent both feed into yet. I'm I'm sort of still considering whether I really, 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 really like it or not. Um, it's not there for me yet. What is there for me is my comic of the year, which is basketful of heads. Um another horror comic. Um it's a surprising one. It it's drawn like uh, it's drawn like stray bullets, which um is I think still being published sort of erratically. Uh it's it started off as a crime comic and turned into a supernatural comic. Uh I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um <laughs> like, like the name Basketful of Heads is immediately obviously a horror a horror thing. Uh it's an interesting way to get people in and the story is stunning. Like the first issue starts off with a person in a um a person in like a, a raincoat holding a basket. The basket is talking to her and she goes to a bridge and throws the basket over the edge of the bridge. That's like this weird supernatural sort of thing. But then it goes back to just being about like cops that work in an, on an Island, like Amity Island from Jaws. Um, I'm really digging it. I, I just got issue three and I, I can't wait to get stuck into it. It's so well paced. It's so well drawn. I'm, just stunned by what a great comic this is. This is how horror comics, how continuing story horror comics. So like soap opera horror comics, not like your your things like um, Vault of Horror and stuff like that, which are like little sort of uh, punchline joke five page stories. This is this is how a continuing story comic should be done. Um, I can't recognize. If you like horror and or you like comics, I cannot recommend Basketful of Heads enough. It's fantastic. Now this episode was actually supposed to be the Christmas movie roundup. Um I'm just going to quickly put my hand up and say that the only Christmas movie's worth their salt, are the Grinch with Jim Carrey, any of the Rankin Bass stop motion flicks except for Little Drummer Boy, Home Alone and you can't not say Die Hard. Uh there would be some horror ones in there as well. Uh Silent Night Deadly Night, both the original and its remake, you know. there's That's just a quick touch on what we were supposed to do with this episode, so I I apologise for it not happening. Okay, so um, what are you going to expect from Nerds of Oz podcast this year? Well, the first thing is the To Watch Pile After Dark podcast is returning to its solo status and won't be a part of this podcast. If you like the To Watch Pile After Dark podcast, you'll have to subscribe to it separately by looking up To Watch Pile After Dark at your favourite podcast player. Uh, We just found that people were being confused by the horror thing that was being slipped in, I did already have that as a separate podcast, so they will be run as two completely s- separate podcasts. The To Watch Pile After Dark podcast is going to be sporadic because it's one of those things that when I get it, I'll be working mostly on this podcast. When I get 10 minutes to write down one of my, one of my next things, I'll do it then. What I'll possibly do is try and get like 10 episodes ahead batch podcast a whole pile of them so I can be well ahead, which is what I do with the website. Like the movie reviews are all well ahead. So I'm going to try and do that as well with this. Uh, Now next week we're going to go back to our our regular shows and we're going to try and regulate them a little better. Uh, A new episode will be public every second week unless something catastrophic happens. Um, The first fortnight will be a comic movie review or breakdown like the Endgame one, like the Suicide Squad one. Uh, we're going to do Joker first. Um, there's so many comic property movies that we're going to have so much material, and more's coming out all of the time. Uh, we won't necessarily do movie ones. We'll talk about ones that have come out on Blu-ray, and DVD, because it means that we can observe them a lot easier. We might still make a mention if we go and see like Birds of Prey or Black Widow or whatever. We might still make a mention of what we thought of it initially but it won't be our proper breakdown. Those ones are going to wait till they come out on DVD and Blu-ray. The, um, the second fortnight will be a review episode where we'll talk about new comics and toys that we may have bought, stuff that we have thought was really cool. Um, and then the third fortnight, um, which is what the rotation is going to be, the third not fortnight will be... We're going to pick a comic or a manga or an anime property that should be made into a movie, and we're going to come up with our dream cast for it. If we could make this movie, if we could make a My Hero Academia live-action movie, who would be our people to star in it? Um, This will no doubt cause arguments between us here, um, and and no doubt the discussions will go on for a long time afterwards as well, Uh, but we just thought that this would be something that would be a little bit different. Those episodes will also mix in with stuff like Top five, like our top five favourite, this and that. Uh, so, yeah, there, there might be a, a, a bit of a variety of those things. Um, the fantasy castings ones will also perhaps be longer review episodes of... Um, put it this way, the Josh and Shane have convinced me that I need to go to comic conventions, so we will do a roundup of comic conventions of what stands we thought we were cool and, and all of that sort of business. Um, now, of course, this... Subject to change because sometimes, you know, Shane goes on a cruise or, or Josh can't do it or I'm away or if just something exciting happens and, you know, something super-duper is announced and we need to go, right, we were going to do review, a review this week. We're going to talk about what's happened at, at the Disney announcement for the year or whatever. Um, in general, though, that rotation will be the rule. The only thing that will be extra is occasionally, if I get time to, I'm going to do mini episodes called Fantastic Fives. And what they'll be is is that I will pick five comics that I've read during the week. They will probably be new ones uh, or a new trade paperback or something like that. I will talk about the five comics I've got and which one of those five was the best of the five. That won't be a regular definite thing and it will be alternative to the fortnightly schedule. So don't be surprised if the dice is just thrown and there's a, a random episode pops up on your feed. Um, so, so basically, that's it for this episode of The Nerds of Oz. Um, I guess this is the last episode of Season 1. It's kind of our last episode of 2019. We're going into Season 2 next year. Um, we'd like to wish you all good fortune. I hope you had a safe break and that Santa was good to you all. I hope you were good for Santa and he didn't get a bag of coal. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Nerds of Oz. We look forward to having you listen to our ramblings in the new year. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your continued support. We we love doing this, and we love it when when we find out that you people are listening to us. Please, whatever podcast uh, player that you're listening to us on, give us a review. If you like it, give us five stars. Give us a little review talking about why you liked us. Uh, Those sorts of things help us promote the show. They move us up the list a little bit, which can potentially get us more listeners, um, which means that our content can be maybe a little bit more regular. Um, Yeah, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, We will talk again in the next episode, which will be the beginning of Season 1. Thank you so much. Bye.